Welcome in everybody to another episode of Cyberly. I am your host, Blythe Brumleaf, and this is the show where we talk about doing things on the internet, where it's tech, it's B2B marketing, it's also the attention and creator economy and how it all fits into the world of logistics. Now, seeing as this is our fourth episode, I wanted to kind of give you a heads up on where to catch the previous three episodes. The first episode we ever did was with Shay Dixon. She's the CEO of Allegiant Logistics, and she was talking about how she content plans and uses Instagram to source carriers. We also talked with Alvin Brook. He's the head of marketing over at Buzzsprout, which is a podcast hosting company. He breaks down a lot of different podcasting stats and how it fits in sort of the industry trends. And then we also talked with Caitlin Burgoyne, who is the manager and the CEO over at Customer Co. And with Customer Camp in, in particular, she talks about how to do these different customer interviews where you can find out those little trigger moments of when a customer decided to pick up the phone and make a phone call to your business or when they filled out a lead form, just basically finding out those little trigger moments so that it can help you better market to your customers in the future by talking with the customers that have already converted. But on today's episode, we're going to get into a fun, a few fun topics. And the first one up on this list is we're going to talk about the plant supply chain and succulent smuggling, which is a new phrase that I just learned this morning. We're also going to talk about Hootsuite's LinkedIn study, uh, how video is influencing our consumer behavior. And then we're also going to chat with Rick Larkin. He is the president over at BCB Transport. They took an old office space, an empty office space, and converted it into a studio space. And now they went from Facebook live streaming their driver safety meetings into a full-fledged broadcast operation where they're creating multiple shows every single day. So we're going to chat with him a little bit later on in the show. But first, let's talk about this succulent smuggling because I think it's a really fascinating story. So to back it up a little bit, COVID has obviously impacted a lot of our lives. It, it really damn near in every aspect of our lives. And so when we think about how COVID has impacted, it's also impacted the plant supply chain. So not only did everybody gain about an average of two pounds per month during COVID lockdowns, but we also started buying plants and a lot of them. And this was already a trend before COVID ever hit because According to a Supply Chain Brain article from 2019, the houseplant market has grown 50% over the previous three years. And in those three years, the U.S. sales have surged almost 50% to $1.7 billion. And that's according to the National Gardening Association. With many millennials delaying parenthood, plants have become the new pets, fulfilling a desire to connect with nature and the blossoming wellness movement. And so we're using plants as sort of a therapy mechanism to, to not only sort of cure the biological nature to, to nest and to nurture other beings. So instead of plants or instead of pets and having children, we're now just buying a, a lot more plants. And so this is COVID has put that essentially on steroids because What's going on with the plant supply chain is that it's pretty difficult to find some of the new trendy plants. The way that a lot of these big box operators or retailers work is that they have what's called a plant hunter. And the plant hunters go off into obscure parts of the wild in the U United States or other parts of the world. And they find these very difficult to find plants or, or plants that are in a, a high demand at that point. But because these people mostly kind of live off the reservation, they, they kind of just uh, they, they don't really have a lot of technology that it's very difficult for a lot of these big 
box retailers in order to reach them even through a cell phone because a lot of these plant hunters don't even have a cell phone. So what is becoming more frustrating is that it's creating this level of demand for these trendy plants that we're seeing all over Instagram, all over Pinterest, TikTok, and some of these other social media platforms, and more people want them and they can't get them. So what's happening is that they're resorting to going to Etsy, to going to Amazon, and to going to eBay, to trying to trying to find these in-demand trendy plants. And so I think it's it's, it's a fascinating case study because pre-COVID, less than 10% of all home and garden transactions happened online. That has changed drastically since COVID hit. So users went to Etsy where the trendiest Instagram-friendly plants had prices also skyrocket. One Etsy shop alone went from 10 to 20 orders per day to now more than 200 orders every single day. And this is a a garden center did a study, which is encompassing of 300 independent garden centers. So they did a study this year in order to find sort of the state of the plant market. And 87% of these stores saw at least a 15% increase in sales compared to 2019. And keep that in mind that the plant sort of uh, the plant market has been growing 50% before 2019. And now one year alone, 87% of these stores saw a 15% increase. It's kind of fascinating to to see some of these numbers and to see the growing demand. I know for myself, I went from having a few plants on my porch and I counted the other day and I have more than 70 different species now in a very small uh, sort of apartment type building. So I, I feel the COVID push towards getting more plant therapy into my life. And apparently a lot of other people do too, because The sales have been crazy dramatic. And knowing all of this as a little bit of a background into that increasing demand, let's talk about succulent smuggling, a phrase that I didn't even know existed until this morning. Because on the flip side, some folks are now actually stealing some hard-to-find and in-demand succulents to sell as a total of $600,000 side hustle in order to, to sell these plants to the black market. MailChimp, yes, that email marketing company, MailChimp, just released a whole bunch of new short videos, documentary style from South by Southwest, which went virtual this year. I believe they were virtual last year. They had to cancel the conference last minute, but this year it was fully virtual. And they released a bunch of different documentaries lasting around 15 to 20 minutes in length. But one of those was called Plant Heist. And this was the one that talked about the black market of succulent smuggling and The sort of the synopsis of this is plant poaching happens on a global scale and it's threatening our biodiversity. This is a story of how it's happening in California. So back in 2019, these target succulents were called Dudleyas, which is a common succulent found on the West Coast. It kind of looks like a desert rose. But if you're watching right now, you you can see that it has these really vibrant red tips on some of their petals. And, And so What's happening is that these succulents, with the growing demand globally, there are now these plant poachers that are renting cars in Northern California and driving down the coast of California to national parks, to state parks. And they're sending these flowers and they're taking, they're ripping them straight from the ground, putting them into backpacks, and then they're smuggling them overseas. They're they're sending them to South Korea, to Europe, to Italy, Croatia, Sumatra, China, and all across the U.S., some of these these Dudleya plants are are pretty common in the state of California, but they're not found anywhere else, which is increasing that demand. And so, since succulents are a little bit easier to ship than say any other kind of you know bio 
diversity, not necessarily biodiversity, but any kind of biological item, which is sort of, you know, like the if you think about um, the animal black market or or another kind of black market, succulents are pretty easy to ship because they don't require a lot of sunlight. They don't require a lot of water and they don't need to have either for at least a few days and sometimes upwards of weeks they can go without eat without water. And so they're really easy to ship all across the globe. And so in this particular documentary, Plant Heist, they're talking about how California has around 400 game wardens and it's the responsibility of the game warden in order to find out what is happening to their national parks and their state parks. And they're monitoring them not only, you know, for, for illegal activities such as succulent smuggling, but they're also, you know, responsible for, for finding out if there's illegal hunting going on or, or any kind of a, a other illegal activity, you know, cutting down trees, uh, pollution. Uh, you're, you're not necessarily supposed to take anything from a national park, including like even rocks and uh, sticks and stuff like there's signs everywhere where if you ever go to a national park that you're not supposed to do these things. But this succulent in particular, uh, one tip, one, one person, so the, the game wardens actually rely on tips from the public in order to help police a lot of the, these different and, and keep the biological diversity intact. So one person stopped on the side of the road and found these two people that were literally, they had rented a car, stopped on the side of the road, and they had backpacks, and they were ripping these flowers, these succulents, from the side of the road and throwing them in backpacks. That one of the couple that was caught they had the, they had thousands of these plants of uh, the the ones that you're seeing on the screen right now and they can be sold anywhere from $50 for a single plant upwards of $700 and some of these bigger succulents can be around 50 years old so it was a really sort of fascinating documentary and a fascinating discovery that the, this Dudleya smuggling has all by all rights stopped since 2019 because a lot of different of these traveling couples were stopped. They were arrested, fined thousands and thousands of dollars. But the UN has said worldwide that it's a growing industry, for lack of a better phrase. But the black market smuggling of different kind of rare, rare plants and succulents in particular, because they're so easy to ship, has been growing tremendously. And they said, in fact, more than 365 protected plant species are openly traded on Amazon and eBay. And it's sort of just a, a wild just realization that it's, it's crazy out here in these succulent streets. But we, as we continue to get more plant therapy into our lives, I think it's, it's sort of the onus is put on us, especially with the, the realization of this documentary, that it's really the onus is on us to, to find the species if we're going to be responsible plant owners as we should be, then we really need to be focusing on the species that are native to our area because there is also a problem with invasive invasive species and you don't want to introduce something that isn't native to your environment, that isn't native to your area. And so as we continue to, to I guess, develop our plant therapy options, just make sure you're doing it in a responsible way and try not to buy and in, in, buy these plants off of Amazon and eBay unless you've done your due diligence. Because I will admit that flower is, that succulent is really pretty, but it's not pretty enough to get a $10,000 fine for it. I'll tell you that. So keep that in mind as go and watch that documentary, Plant Heist. We'll link it in the show notes just in case if you want to check it out. Uh, but it was really, really well worth the watch. And, and like I said, MailChimp has several of these documentaries out there. That was just the one that caught my eye because obviously it has a supply chain and logistics connection to it. So Moving on into our next topic, should you publish linkless posts to LinkedIn? 
And that's a hodgepodge of a sentence because the study just came from Hootsuite and they were studying how many of their posts that they can put out over a period from, from January 22nd to March uh, 22nd, they had a total of 184 posts. The overwhelming majority of them, in fact, 177 of, 77 of those posts, they included links with that post. Seven of them, they did not have any links because they wanted to test if the linkless posts actually performed better than the posts with links. And the results were pretty remarkable because on average, posts without links got six times more reach than posts with links. While linkless posts had fewer shares on average, they received almost four times the reactions and 18 times more comments than the average post with the link. So what does that tell us? That tells us that LinkedIn, along with every other social media platform, wants their users to stay on their platform. They don't want them to leave to go to your third-party link that you're sharing, even though sometimes those links can result in folks sharing your post more often what it doesn't result with is more engagement from that post. So think comments, think likes, which likes are not necessarily the, the driving force of engagement measurement, but comments really are. The more comments you get, the more engaging your post is, the more conversations you're having, the longer that post is going to show up in the feed. And it's also going to be shown to more people because that signals to LinkedIn, hey, people are really liking this post. They're not leaving to go read the article. They're staying right here and they're engaging more with the conversation. And so if they're engaging more with the conversation, then they're likely going to get more notifications whenever someone else adds their perspective to that same article or to that same post that you've already presented. So knowing all of that, try to think of ways to post to LinkedIn that are direct. So taking a video and uploading it directly to LinkedIn. Instead of writing a blog post and putting it on your website, you could still do that, but then copy that same article and put it up on a LinkedIn article. Then that way you're keeping the user on that LinkedIn post instead of going elsewhere, which LinkedIn doesn't want you to do, nor does any other social media platform want you to do. They want you in that platform. They want you to stay there so they can serve you advertising and keep you in the platform. So knowing all of that, try those text text only posts, try directly uploading a photo or a video and use that lead in that space where it's that first sentence before you see the see more text, because that's also another driving indicator of, of, know, of LinkedIn knowing what you're interested in and what you want to engage with more. So knowing all of that, try to balance out your posts where you're not sending, you're not posting out a lot of things that have those third party links, you're doing more of the text only posts, or direct uploads with a video and an image. So also another personal recommendation, whenever you're doing some of these, these text-based posts, try to keep your emojis to a minimum. Your copy should convey, your copy or your text should convey what you're trying to say without adding 27 emojis to the post. That's just a personal preference. It, it, I, I don't particularly like it. Um, and I'm just shooting from the hip here when I say that it's, it's one of those things that is really annoying to see a post that has all of these different emojis because then it kind of tells me that you're not really... You're not really conveying what you want to say truthfully in your post that you need the emojis to help. And I know that emojis do help as far as text-based communication, but it just looks a little on the tacky side to have more than I would say a handful is probably max of the amount of emojis that you should have. Get your message across and do so clearly that it doesn't necessarily take a lot of emojis to do so. 
So moving on into our next topic, let's talk about how video is influencing consumer decision-making. Animoto, which is a video editing app, they asked close to 600 consumers about their purchasing habits when it comes to video. So here are some of those key findings. I think we got, we've got a few graphics in order to show up for this. So 93% of consumers said that video is helpful when purchasing a product. And the way you want to use these stats is if you have video marketing in your plans, you want to use some of these stats in order to drive what kind of content you're going to be creating. Because 93% of consumers saying video is helpful when purchasing a product is really, really sort of a, an eye-opening stat. Consumers also said that video was their number one favorite type of content from brands on social media. Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube are the top three platforms consumers use to find the new products or services. And then when learning about a new product or service, service consumers prefer video over reading about a product or looking at photos. So keeping that in mind whenever you're you're coming up with your content planning and you're thinking about what you're going to create in the future, knowing some of these stats will really go a long way and really sort of emphasize that, hey, video needs to be the core component of the content that we're creating. How do we get started? How do we, we create that content faster in a more digestible format? A few shows back, we talked about how the, the attention span for a, a, all of us essentially is dropping at a considerable rate. So thinking about how you can include video, but not only including video, but short form and long form video in order to really drive home that curiosity for your visitors who you hopefully will become customers. Because around 99% of people, especially as they're browsing social media, they're not necessarily in a buy now mode. They're in an informational mode. So give them that information that they seek and give it to them over a consistent amount of time. And then using that insight when they're ready to buy, they will already know about your service. They will already know about your product if you've done it right. And then they will come directly to you to make that purchase. So that's just an important aspect to keep in mind as you're planning your content. So that study is actually a really good segue into our next interview, which is with Rick Larkin. And he is the president over at BCB Transport. And what's really fascinating about their their team and their office is they are so employee driven and and driver driven and it's one of those moments where you, you you look at a company and you don't necessarily see all of the legwork that they've put in previously you just see a really nice studio and then all of a sudden it it looks it looks almost intimidating so Rick as we bring you on and before we dive into sort of the a lot of the the BCB live content, can you tell us a little bit about the company BCB Transport itself and how you got started in trucking? Hey, Blythe, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing well. I love the vest. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's all about safety at BCB Transport. Uh, for those that don't know, hey, BCB Transport stands for Be Safe, Communicate, and If You Can, Be On Time. We stress nothing more at BCB than being safe and really protecting life. It's who we are. It's what we do from our drivers to our driver managers to the ownership. Everything about BCB really is about safety. We opened up the doors back in March of 2011. Um, Brian Brzezowski, my business partner, and I opened it up one day, just the two of us, uh, literally no drivers, no customers, nothing. And, uh, you know, 10 years later, here we are, a little over 300 trucks, uh, quite a few employees. I guess I don't even know the count now that everybody's remote, right? Um, but, you know, just a, a great story with phenomenal customers, phenomenal employees. Um, you know, Brian and I are truly blessed to have what we have here. 
Now, you, I w- had the pleasure of visiting your offices a couple years ago, and I was really blown away at the not only the facilities, but the, the, the focus on your team and the culture and driver facilities. Why was that so important to you early on? You know, even even from the beginning, um, from when we began the company, we had a belief that we had to, first of all, take care of our drivers. Drivers are so important to this industry, to this country. Um, we had to show them that we were for real, meaning we didn't want to say, hey, if you do this, we'll do that. We felt that we had to go out first and and provide what we who we were. We had to go out and show them who we are. No matter what, this is the company that you're dealing with at BCB Transport. Um, you know, so many times I think people get lost with drivers and saying that, hey, if you do this, we'll do that. And I don't think drivers believed us as a as our industry anymore. And we had to do it different. We had to say, hey, we know you can do this. We know you're going to do that. And because of that, we're going to go ahead and put our best foot forward first. And so with a lot of your communication strategy, I mean, obviously that's changed a lot over the last year, but I remember you talking about how you would bring drivers in for onboarding and you would actually set up a little mobile phone to Facebook live stream out your driver meetings and some of your onboarding sessions. Why was that a a good first step into getting into your video journey? You know, we wanted to make sure that when we brought anybody in into inside the company, and so we have always done our orientations here. And the reason why we do that first is we want to make sure that they see who we are, to see the amount of uh, the amount of work that we do together, the family. You know, some of our drivers that they they do the hashtag family, and that's what we are. We wanted to break bread with our new drivers, and that includes bringing them in and helping them get set up, and then getting them involved in the culture of the company quick. Um, when a driver comes in here and on day one and day two, they're breaking bread with us. Remember, we we feed our people right here, especially before COVID. They would come in and we had the food and it wasn't to-go orders. It was actually made right here inside of our, in the kitchen, inside of our, in, in our office. So the culture had to be, show them we're different than anybody else because we wanted to make sure they knew that we're not, this isn't heaven, right? We're not perfect, but when they break bread with you, when when you talk to them, sit across a table, I think when you make mistakes, it's easier for them to talk to you and come to you as opposed to leaving you saying, well, that's not what you told me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And and some of those communication tactics that, that you've had have actually evolved. You're now sitting in what was once an empty office that you transfer, transformed into a full-on studio space. What was the the, the catalyst for, for making that decision that said, hey, we're going to do a little bit something more than a Facebook live stream on a mobile phone, which is fine, but you, what you have now is fantastic. Yeah, you know, we uh, when we started it off, it was in an office and we had two microphones set up and we would look at each other and it was the most, um, I mean, it was us giving it all we had, right? But it, it needed a little bit more. You know, we felt that our drivers deserved a little bit more. We felt that we needed to make sure that we explained things, we communicated to our drivers a little bit more. And what better way we learned and we believed in that to say, hey, you know what? If we're going to communicate, if we need to talk to our drivers, we want to to review safety things with them. We have got to create a platform that allows them to to join in and be part of it. And Blythe, with that meant that we had to step our game up. We had to to create a show. You know, we have characters on the show. Heck, we got a producer that 
that we hired to, to produce the show. So it's it was different, but you know what? If you believe in your drivers, you believe in safety, if you believe in spreading a culture, there's not a better way to do it than how we've done it here. And, and it's continued to go. We just put our third camera up live. Uh, we have camera one that we're looking at now. We have another camera. And we have one more. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, we're so, a bunch of idiots, aren't we? <laughs> no, no, I love it because you, you can feel that energy. I mean, obviously, anyone who's listening to this, they, they can feel that energy. We can see it live, obviously, with, with your safety vest because you guys have certain personas too that that you are developing on certain programming. So, t break down a little bit about what what goes into that. How do you develop? a certain persona and why do they only appear on certain programming? T tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So when we, when we opened up the, when we began doing the show and, and it's still about safety, you know, when we began, it was just uh, um, Bob Sobiak. Bob's our safety director. And we realized, you know what, we got to create some nicknames here. So he quickly became buckle up Bob. And, and it, it, it got to the point that we said, you know, we need to create a show around safety you know, to 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 make it a better transition to safety and to the weather because we're going over weather and traffic. So Drive Safe Dave and me, myself, Sir Rick on the show, we open the show at 7.15 in the morning. At 7.30, Buckle Up Bob comes on. We have Hector from the range from the Ranger Dangers. He comes in and he's going over the safety, the Smith system, ways to get better at safety for our drivers. We have Big Blue, and Big Blue is Brian Brzezowski, my business partner. Listen, he's six foot four. He's got the bluest eyes. I'm scared to look inside his eyes. You have uh, the infamous Shapiro, who runs our operations team. Um, he's on the show. You have Magic Matt, and Magic Matt is a big old stocky guy, and he thinks he can dance. So you know what? We called him Magic Matt, and he comes on the show. We are all in it. You know, we... Uh, you know, that we have the producer, you know, that produces things. And he walks down the hallway and it's so funny. We'll call him the producer. Dave Dover, who is the, the morning guy, he calls himself Drive Safe Dave. It's, you know, it's like we almost believe we're we're those people anymore. So it is truly pretty funny and and blessed to, you know, to to have all of this. And so when you were first getting a lot of your employees involved with the different programming. How did you sort of break down those barriers for them? Because a lot of people, that when they see a microphone, when they see the bright lights, they get really nervous and they don't want to, they don't want to participate at all. How did you sort of ease that transition for them to be able to feel comfortable talking about their normal day-to-day -day job, but in a live streaming environment? Yeah, it was uh, it was a struggle to begin with. There's no, there's no doubt about it. We had drivers that were, um, were, you know, what is this about? I mean, why do we, you know, why do we have to be on this safety show? Um, and, and that was the pure reason why we needed them on this show was because we had to talk about it and we had to break down the barriers and block. That meant that when I, Sir Rick, heard something, I had to get it addressed. As an owner of a company, I had to get it addressed, um, whether it was poor communication and it was, whether it was maintenance on the trailers, pay, whatever it was, when I heard it, I would address it as Sir Rick. And and I think I talked to you, boy, sometimes it's tough with, uh, you know, I'm blessed to have many personalities anyway, but sometimes I have to really focus on, hey, right now I'm Sir Rick. And, but, but Blythe, when a moment comes from a driver, when we're talking about something serious, I do, I take that Sir Rick hat off. 
and I'm talking to them as myself, as an owner of the company. And what has happened, though, they've seen the passion. And, and, and I think what this has allowed me to do as well as a again, as an owner, to be more vulnerable. You know, it's tough as a male being vulnerable. It's tough as an owner being vulnerable. But what we've done is by us being vulnerable, and that can be shedding a tear, opening up. It has created a better environment for them to, to, to you know, reciprocate it right back to mm -hmm. us. And so with all of this content that you guys are creating, sort of break down what BCB Live is, because BCB Live is different from your regular sort of, you know, a, a typical company website. BCB Live is, is a live 24 hour a day, seven days a week radio broadcast that you guys are building in studio. Can you break down what, what went into that decision making process? Yeah. So, you know, there's, um, you know, a lot of the BCB Live, what we wanted to do was, is first and foremost, create an environment for our drivers. You know, one thing that we, that we preach is it's the BCBs of trucking and, and as simple as that sounds, Blythe, it's the BCBs of trucking means that from an ownership to, again, drivers, to our driver managers, to customer service, to our customers means that we must focus first on the safety of life, you know, protecting life. That's the only thing that's, that's, that's important. Then we have the communication, the BC, the communication part says, hey, if you're tired, you're going to pull over, but we want you to communicate that so we can communicate that to our customers. And finally, that be on time, hey, push that over. So what we wanted to do is create with our drivers that, that the culture within our company, that culture, so we can at one point take this now and share it with other trucking companies. You know, what I want to be one day is, is right here behind me. That can say Swift Transportation. It can say Christensen Transportation. We can be so many people right here for you to get your drivers involved with safety and the BCBs of trucking. That's what it's about, Blythe. It's about protecting life. And that means while we continue to, to improve upon this, we must find a way to keep this going 24 hours a day. We need to, to be there. And we were there in that ice storm, in that, in that snow that happened. We were open 24 hours. We had our show going 24 hours a day to make sure we communicated with our drivers to let them know it's not safe. You can't go. And, and Blythe, when, what I do believe is this, as a trucking company, you know, we have trucks, so I, I, I know what we're, what uh, what y'all go through. But when you don't tell a driver no, aren't you telling him or her yes? You mm -hmm. can't, sometimes you can't let them make those choices. You as a company have got to make the stance that says, you're not going to drive in that wind. You're not going to drive in that snow or rain. You can't make them make that decision. I don't believe it's fair. And I believe drivers need our support to help them make those decisions. Absolutely. Because it's almost like an athlete, like you're saving themselves from themselves. You know, if you have mm -hmm. a concussion, they're not going to, there's independent doctors that are going to tell them, no, you're not going out on the field. So in that case, you're, you're doing the same for your drivers and your team. But you said something interesting about inviting on technically your competitors in order to use your broadcasting space. What does that sort of look like? Are they going to come in studio and, and, and do shows? Are they going to do a remote? What does that plan sort of loosely look like? Yeah, so the, the plan is is Monday through Friday is that their drivers join us as part of our show. They're listening to it via YouTube Live or on our uh, on our go-to webinar, which is the platform we use today. But one hour a week, not much time, 
their ownership, that somebody from a decision-making process, a general manager, a, a uh, VP from their company is going to be there with us either in studio or, you know, at once COVID's kind of over or we can kind of beam them in like we're doing now. But it's with their drivers only. It's mm -hmm. us talking, to, you know, it's me with them to keep them comfortable um, to with with that VP or it, talking to their drivers, much like I had to do, Blythe, because you're going to hear things that you just have to hear and you need to address. But you know what? If we believe in a reduction of turnover and if we believe that turnover makes a safer driver, and I think all of us do, the more comfortable they are with your freight, the more comfortable they are with your customers, the more comfortable they are out there on the road and the safer a driver is. And Blythe, at BCB, our goal isn't to make BCB the safest trucking company only. We want this in industry, the trucking mm -hmm. industry, to be safer and to do all we can to make sure drivers are making decisions, that dispatchers are making decisions, that ownership are making decisions based on protecting life. And so you, you talking about safety and how that's been such a core component of, of your content that you've been creating over the years, how has that evolved into now you're doing more news-based stories? You're, you're covering, you, you know, the Suez Canal blockage of the Ever Given and, and some of these other hot button issues. How has that evolved and, and, and what are some of those topics that you're passionate about covering? Yeah, so um, when we when we when we're getting this show ready to go, and and our our goal is to have it ready to go for eight hours, and around the middle of May, what we're doing is is creating some segments, and that means we've got to find folks. We had a DOT officer in here the other day. We want to bring in knowledge to our drivers, knowledge to our customers that have to do with our industry. And I know there's some folks out there doing it right now, but Blythe, what I want to come from is a different angle, an angle that first and foremost is is really addressing our drivers. You know, even if a customer's in here, it's talking to the drivers. Blythe, we go over what we have a state of the union of the company, where we talk about how, you know, what's going on in the market. I believe drivers need to know what's going on in the market. They they need to be educated on, on a, if the freight's slow, if the freight's heavy, on productivity. They want to be involved with it, Blythe. And that's what we found is that Man, drivers want to be as knowledgeable as you are. They want to know mm -hmm. everything that's going on in the market. And so we took that, and, and, and that's kind of what this is about. One thing we also took is, is taking real-life situations from our customers, real-life questions that they have on the market. And we address those as well. It's our freight and review. And that's what it is. Those are questions from our customers asking questions like uh, driver shortages. And I talked about utilization yesterday. And you could probably, if you watch that, boy, I am passionate about utilization. I'm, pa I'm passionate about accountability. And while we may have a driver shortage, there are a lot of things that we as a trucking company, we as shippers and receivers can do to maximize more utilization in these tractors. And so with a lot of these topics, you just mentioned something that was really interesting is that you it's not just the, the driver communications anymore. You're taking some of this, some of these videos and some of these topics and you're sending it out to your customers. Is that is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Um, t right after the show today, we're going to create one of our um, one of the, the uh, freight and reviews. But it really has to do with a customer and their question asking, hey, why? Why? 
the rate increases out of Dallas. And and I'm going to address it to them with the show, send it to them. But I'm going to use that to kind of help educate all the shippers, all the brokers. You know, we have brokers that we know that call us up too and just say, hey, why? What, what is going on? How come I can use to sell this load for $1.90 and now every time I take that load, it's I, I'm losing 45 cents a mile. Why is that? And what we mm-hmm. try to do is use the knowledge. And, you know, we have a great, um, you know, we love sonar here. We love the freight waves community, but we use that sonar data um, to to make sure it makes sense. And and Blythe, I think, and 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 I do believe this. I believe because we do trucking, we do brokerage, we have a warehouse, we do intermodal, because we actually participate in all of those, we have a little bit better maybe understanding of what that data means than most mm-hmm. companies do. And that was going to be my next question is, is what does your sort of day-to-day process look like? Because it takes a lot of time to, to look into to some of these, these data points and to, to come up with where you think the industry is going based off of those data points. So what does sort of your show prep look like each day? Because you, you're, you're broadcasting every day, I believe early riser anyway. And I was just telling the, you know, the producer and drive safe that, you know, I found myself now having to come in even earlier. You know, we, I used to, would come in at say 4.30, 4.45. And now I catch myself coming in at, you know, setting my alarm and getting here right at four o'clock or 4.15. So I can make sure that my work, you know, I still have a real job to do as well. <laughs> I got to make sure my work is done. So by 6.15 in the morning, I can kind of dedicate myself to to reviewing the news, to reviewing the data, to comparing it to yesterday, to, to seeing what's going on. But Blythe, we've done it anyway. So Every day in our in our meeting with our uh, with our uh, operations guys on the assets brokerage, um, everything we, we go over this data anyway. They we we go over it because it's important to use the sonar data to understand what's going on today in that freight market. Who's rejecting loads? Who's rejecting loads inbound into locations? Because if you solely uh, um, rely on DAT or or on truck stop payment, well. It runs, you know, seven, eight, nine days behind. The trends that you're seeing really are a thing of the past. You've got to use that knowledge with what's happening today to try to make the best educated decision for the next seven days. And what kind of response are you getting from your drivers, employees, customers? I'm sure they're loving it. No, they they uh, they they absolutely love it. And it's it's uh, so after I sent the video yesterday on the on the uh, productivity. Well, immediately got a phone call from a from a large customer right here that says, hey, listen, I need help. Can you do that same thing for us regarding um, freight out of Dallas? And I'll just tell you into Oklahoma City. That's what they're asking. And I'm going to use that and go back and, and review what's going on with these, you know, the mid tenders, you know, the freight going under that 400 market. What is happening to that? So I can help it make sense to them. But what it does and and the greatest thing about it is I learn so much more as well because I'm I'm seeing different trends when they ask these questions. But what we really wanted to to convey to our customers is that help us help you. Help us help you tell your story because as freight rates go up, I don't think people know what to do. We we you know, as as logistics, um, whether you're in as in transportation, you always go back. Well, that's not what was happening last year. And Blythe, right now, last year doesn't count. 
Hmm. So you've got to really kind of focus on the trends from really September, October, when the freight market became what it is today. The trends from last year, they're out. It was COVID. It was, and it's still COVID, but it was a dip in COVID. So you can't use the same numbers, the same rates. It's out. And we've got to now continue to, to talk to our customers about putting in maybe 30 or 60 day rates as opposed to year contracts. Hmm. And so with knowing all of that insight and the fact that you're studying this data every single day, where does that, as far as like the future planning, you're also planning to incorporate, especially from the weather side of things, you're planning to incorporate some driver footage as they're out on the roads and it break that down a little bit for us, because I thought it was really interesting when you mentioned about different weather reports and using drivers as sort of like those in the field reporters. Yeah, so the, the uh, one of the things we have, and again, this right here behind me, hey, just a great uh, piece of uh, technology. It's a touchscreen. It allows us to interact with what's going on. We can have behind us the weather going on. We can have our drivers, again, you know, the 300-plus drivers with forward-facing cameras. So when we see every 15 minutes on the hours, we discuss Atlanta, Georgia, as we see our drivers going through, they're out of there, we can kind of log into those cameras, give our folks out there, other truck drivers out there, a view of what's happening. You know, we become the, you know, better than, like the weather station, they have three or four people out there when the when the hurricanes are going on. I got 300 throughout the country ready to share information with other drivers to make sure that they see what we see when the weather's bad, I want to show them. I want them to log into our station and know that when re when weather's tough across the country, this is the place to be. We're going to look at it. We're going to show you real footage from our trucks or other drivers that we're associated with to bring you real live material so you as a driver from any company can make a better decision. You as a customer know what's going on in your lanes. And 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 it's just, it's a shame still that that today when there's bad weather in Texas, if you're a customer and you're based in Miami, Florida, you just don't feel it. And I want to find a better way to get this information out to everybody. So you're using driver footage. You you have employees, especially the, uh, those from safety and HR doing programming on, on the shows. Tell us a little bit about your plans to expand in the future, because I understand that you're you're trying to go to eight hours a day of live programming. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, you know, it, you know, thankfully we have a, you know, I got outside help in here. You know, I didn't do all this myself. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I did none of it. I was joking with the, with the guys because they're sitting in here. I was going to say, how am I going to kind of tell them, hey, I did this whole, aside from hanging this 85-inch TV, I did it all. I did nothing. I got some <laughs> great folks in here that have helped us. You know, we use the monday.com app we use the canvas uh, canvas is that right there we go to uh to help us find this material to to put the news stories in place to help us in and this is new for us to to find a way to schedule an eight hour day an eight hour segment between we have a rockopedia segment that's been going on for a little bit that's uh from 10 to 10 45 and it goes over Music from a uh, music man, Mike, one of our folks on here, him and the producer, they go over it with uh, Joe Santiago up in the Northeast. They have crazy rock concert stories. And that's what it's about. It's about Rockopedia. Things that just kind of get you excited that that you learn a little bit. You can you can participate on these calls. You can raise your hand. We use GoToWebinar and we can get you involved with that as well. Um, we have an HR segment every Thursday at 10 a.m. The same thing at 10 a.m. is a big segment. That's Shelly Brown um, from our HR department. Her and Christy 
Christy's Ache Erre in our show going over HR information. But on this segment, they're going over it for everybody. You know, things you need to know, things you need to think about. And we, once again, can can get information, get phone calls or emails and give them some, ask them some questions that that come from you or from our drivers or other drivers out there that that just have a question on on maybe basic principles of of, of what goes on at a company. But we want to make sure that, you know, we have an HR, we have, I'm sorry, we have a DOT officer that's going to be here once a month. You know, we want to get him involved with people, telling them what, you know, what do they need to know about? Uh, what are the things that he looks for? We want to help find places and ways to educate our listening audience. And our listening audience are the drivers, the ones that we love and, and we need. We want to bring people in to help educate them on items that they want. So we're just going to have to, you know, from from that to insurance people to a truck to financing, you know, owner operators. I want people in here that can make a difference and give people out there listening real help. And so a lot of your content sounds extremely valuable from just a, a company perspective, not just a driver perspective, but company wide to help with that educational gap. Now, you guys have a lot of really cool, like fancy tools inside of that studio space now. But for some companies who are looking at just wanting to get started, just, you know, sort of dipping their toes in the water, what kind of advice would you give to another trucking company out there that, that wants to communicate similarly to what you guys are doing? So, you know, I have a great, uh, you know, when we put this together in here, you know, we have a, a gentleman named Jack from his his productions place. He did it for us. I would, you know, I would say, hey, I'll put him on our website. Contact him if you really want to take it to that next level. But I think, you know, first and foremost, hey, play around with it for a minute, right? I mean, get comfortable on it. You know, make sure that you have the right person to that can make themselves vulnerable to our drivers. Make sure that you you give them the best. And Blythe, I was going to say this is make sure that when you do it, you stay committed to it. You've got to have that show every single day. You know, and I'll and one more thing and, and a little piece of advice to anybody. Hey, I pay our drivers to listen to this. I pay them. Oh wow. Yes, we pay them three. Yes, that's why our listening audience is probably so big. But we pay our drivers, <laughs> Blythe, because I believe that. They need to come in here and 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 listen to who we are about safety. And so our company drivers get paid three cents a mile um, every quarter. They get paid that, so they're getting you know eight to a thousand, twelve hundred dollars a quarter for listening to the show for being part of the safety. Um, and oh, wow. and Blythe, I believe I had to pay them to come on here. Otherwise, what's the real incentive? It's it's just like work. And I had to get them another reason to to allow me to talk to them. And owner operators here, we were pay we pay them five cents a mile to make sure that they get it. So we're investing in over three hundred thousand, three four hundred thousand dollars a year back out to our drivers to because it's safety. And Blythe, if you want to to if 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 as an owner, if you as a company, you want to make that decision. You know what? If you believe that what you're going to tell them is worth it, pay them to be on it. Give them a reason because kind of going what I was telling you before, you can't just say, hey, be safe and then I'll give you this. We're going to invest in you. As a matter of fact, I believe in your safety as a driver. I believe that I'm going to give you and we're going to give you, we're going to be involved with each other so much that I'm going to invest in you to be on this show. And it's worked. It's done that. Blythe, when we uh, finished up last year, our, our uh, lost runs were under a half a cent a mile. And, and I'll tell you, from an insurance provider, 
They love you at four and a half, five cents a mile, and we were under a half a cent a mile. We focus on safety. We focus on driving. If you if you if you really do believe that that safety is a value, isn't it worth investing into your drivers to to get them to be part of who you are? And and before you know it, they they they're you know I like to say they would be on it anyway, but you know who knows, right? <laughs> Doesn't hurt <laughs> well, it's, anybody. It's- <laughs> right. And that's, it's almost sounds like in an, not almost, it sounds like it's an investment into the quality and the overall production and, and your safety ratings, it's showing in your insurance rates. So it, it, when companies talk about, well, why should I get started with video and what's the ROI with it? Why should I get started with content marketing? You're really proving it already as just taking a different angle because you're creating that content in house. You're paying the drivers, and then in the at the end of the day, you're still getting that positive ROI from it all. Yeah, there's no doubt, and it kind of goes back to when we open up our doors and into how we pay drivers into giving our first, uh, you know, putting our our uh, best foot forward before we ask them to to make sure that we do our part. It kind of goes into the same exact uh, mantra, meaning that yes, we're going to pay you to be on here. We believe in your safety. We know that if you're on this show, you're going to be a safer driver, and we know and we've got to believe as a company that. You know, our return on that investment is huge and we're going to get it back. We're going to get it back in premiums. And, and, and anybody out there that runs a trucking company that knows the cost that I'm talking about means that's a phenomenal number. Blythe, I'll be, I'm proud to say we did receive a, uh, a rate reduction in our insurance this year. I don't know any other companies or many companies that, that can say the same thing. In the times we're in, you got a rate reduction. We sure did, and I'm so proud, and we shared that with our drivers. We want them to believe, and and we're not bashful. We want them to know that this, hey, we at BCB, we've got to make money. You've got to, to shut your truck off. You've got to reduce your idle times. You've got to reduce your out of route. You've got to do and maximize all you can because you've got to want us to make money. Because if we make money, that's how we pay you. That's how it goes back to you. So we're not scared to talk about items like that, too. And I do think this is because we've become so comfortable amongst each other that we can share things like that. You know, it's kind of scary, I think, for some people to say, hey, we got to make money. But, you know, it's 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 neat to it's do reality. that. It's neat to, to talk about items like that. And I'll tell you, when we had that snowstorm in here, we talked about it. We told them, hey, we're going to lose $1.5 million, and we did. That snowstorm, we didn't run. We lost over a million and a half dollars, and that next day, with our drivers on board, we called them all in. We gave them a rate increase. We gave them a pay increase that same week because that's when it was scheduled to happen. We didn't We didn't push it aside. We still gave them that pay increase. We still gave them those quarterly bonuses. We did what we could because we believed in in, 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 in who they are. And we gave them a 10-week plan that for us meant that, hey, we're not going to make it back overnight. You're not going to make this money back that you lost overnight. But in 10 weeks, we're going to make it back. We put a plan together with them and with us, and we're right on target. I couldn't be more proud that we're pulling it off. We, we, we've got a couple minutes left. Do you have a favorite story or a favorite moment that has happened ever since you started creating content and, and broadcasting it out to your drivers? Uh, you know, I, I'll tell you this. There's been, uh, you know, there's been some extremely emotional moments. Um, we had an, a moment last week on, uh, 
it was our thankful Thursday. It's our day that we say thankful. Thank you to our drivers. We had uh, one of our driver managers come in here, Gabby, and it was neat to see we had just lost Blythe, one of our drivers with COVID. Um, we just found out and it was emotional and and to see the emotion, the love that she had for that driver um, from our other drivers, from our other driver managers, the pain they were going through. It made me proud. I'm not going to say funny, but I was as proud as I could have been knowing that our people really do love each other. It's a mm-hmm. you know, it's an attitude that says we're not going home until it's been until we're all taken care of. It's a it's a it's a thing that says we are family. Hashtag family. This is BCB live and, and our folks live it. Hmm. That's a great story. I mean, not not a great story, but it just speaks to the 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 family environment that you guys have cultivated, not just, you know, through your content, but over years and years within the building and, and doing that hard legwork. All right, Rick. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find more of, of your shows and your broadcasting and your work? Hey, we have a bcbtransport.com. You can go on the right-hand corner and you'll see BCB Live. Up, You can click that and you can go to our radio station. Look for us as well on our uh, Facebook page. You can also see us on our YouTube channel. We have a YouTube channel. You can go um, review all of our past episodes and have a good time. Get involved in safety. It does start with you. Thank you so much, Rick. Thank you, ma'am. Take care of yourself. Good seeing you. Good seeing you as well. What an interview. I mean, that has just, Rick is is one of those guys that obviously you can tell from that interview that he is very infectious as far as his, his energy is concerned. And it's one of those, it's one of those moments where you just kind of have to take a step back and just realize all of the things that they've accomplished because you could see the fancy studio space and, you know, the touchscreen televisions and, and, but they didn't start there. That's only what you see now. And so just keeping that in perspective whenever you're thinking about your own content journey and your own content plan and how you plan to create in the future and attract drivers, save on insurance costs. They started in using their meetings, their driver meetings that they would bring folks in to the office and then live stream to Facebook using a mobile phone. That's how they got started. And so it became such a great mechanism for communication to their team that they kept building on it. And when you can take those small baby steps into to recognizing that you can use these communication methods to your advantage, it really goes a long way. And, and as Rick can, can say, or as he said earlier, it, it's showing up in his bottom line now. He didn't start off with that intention of it show of it showing up in and you know in a revenue report, but now he's able to go back and he's able to see okay these investments that we made into our people into the communication to our people is paying off in other ways and to have a you know a, a reduction in insurance really goes a long way I think for a lot of companies and that should be really eye opening for anybody who's on the fence of if they want to if they even want to think about starting to create more video content, because that's really what this show has been about is not only using video, but using it in a smarter way where you're doing long form content, you're doing short form content and you're blending the two together, but you're doing it ultimately with the goal that you're going to increase the communication between your team and, and future prospects are going to see that whether they're drivers, whether they're employees, they're going to see that going on. And eventually when they're ready to make a job switch or they're tired of their current company, they're going to remember those little moments. And so you have to ask yourself, do you want to be a company that, that sort of treats their content like BCB does, or do you want to just keep skating by and, and not worrying and not investing and not adjusting with the times? Because 
COVID has taught us a lot of things that change is inevitable. And now with everybody sort of, not everybody anymore, but most people have the experience of working from home now. Most people have a webcam that they're working off of and making those, using the equipment that you already have, using a cell phone camera and using the microphone on your cell phone are easy ways to get started. And you're only using that as a communication mechanism as if you're having, I'm, I'm looking at a camera right now, but I'm looking at it as I'm having a conversation with somebody, a friend that's sitting right across the table from me. And so treating your communication like that really, really goes a long way. And so like most things in life, if you have gotten started on that journey, you can use your own experience in order to get better. And so studying your own tape after this show is over, I'll go back and I will watch the video to see where I messed up. Am I leaving my mouth open? Am I hitting the mic? Am I talking with my hands too much? Probably. I'm not sure that's something that I'm ever going to be able to fix though. But there are these little moments within each and every show, each and every broadcast that you create that you can find little ways to get better. And that's exactly what we've seen from Rick and the BCB team. That's what you see from, from here with our work on Cyberly. The first episode that we broadcasted, I was a different shade of blue. And now you can see that it's kind of lit a little bit better. We had an autofocus problem last week. We got it fixed for this week. We got new cameras coming in. We're making those baby steps because we're not at, we're never, we will never reach perfection, but it's fun trying to get there and trying to make little incremental improvements so that a year from now, when you look back on some of the, the, the content that you've created, or maybe even the video communications that you're creating, that you can look back and say, hey, I've gotten a lot better. So just keeping that all in mind, study the tape, Treat yourself as an athlete would watch film of yourself, make those tiny adjustments, make those tiny improvements, because in a year from now, years from now, you will look back and you will say you'll be thankful that you did. Hopefully it'll show up in an ROI report like it has for Rick. Maybe it'll it, you know result in an interest rate reduction, which is additional ways to save money. So keeping all of those in mind, let's get let's get better about creating video. So that about does it for today's show. Next week, we're only going to have a limited show because we're going to, it, it's the, the Net Carbon Zero Summit for Freight Waves. So we'll be back next Tuesday, but with a reduced show. And then the following week, we'll be right back again, Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time covering, we got a really cool shows planned for you in the future. And if you missed any part of today's show or a previous show, all you have to do is search for your favorite podcasting app or search on YouTube. Search Cyberly. It should be one of the first results that pops up and you'll be able to watch all of the previous shows. We've had three great shows. Make this one a fourth one now. And in the meantime, you can also follow me. My name is Blythe. I can be found at digitaldispatch.io. All of my social media accounts are linked there. I also have a couple different social media links in the show notes as well. So until next time, we will be back in two weeks with the full show. But next week, we'll have a special little mini episode as well. So until then, my name is Blythe and take care and I will see you all real soon.